Oh, let's get it. Monday, January 17th, 2021. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. We are finally back. You know, I was expecting to be back last week, but I was caught right in the middle of that Northern Virginia snowstorm that we had a couple of weeks ago. And as of this recording, we're forecasting more snow this week. Great for me. It was so bad. We lost power at House Iskra, at Casa del Iskra for five days. We went through three of those days in the house before we can go and get a hotel room. And in the middle of all that, I came down with COVID. Matter of fact, you could probably still hear it in my voice. I still have COVID. I'm still locked down in the house. Not a fun time. And then I threw up my neck and my upper back. Straight up, not having a good time. So I just said, screw it. I put in for sick leave and I punted that entire week. Uh, It was just a lost week. We're back though. Appreciate that you're back, that you stayed with us throughout our hiatus. There were no new ratings or reviews, however, since we've been out. If you haven't yet, please consider writing a review for Born the Battle on Apple Podcasts. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover Born the Battle, listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans, and how they overcame their own challenges. Also, listen to our benefits breakdown episodes, and also hear what's in our news releases. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you. I read the reviews and I respond to them. Well, you know, we had some press releases since we've been gone. I'm just going to go back a couple of weeks. However, you could check out every press release from the VA yourself by going to va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. We got three this week. First one says for immediate release, Department of Veterans Affairs recently dispersed over $20 million in American Rescue Plan funds to VA medical centers to provide critical and life-saving emergency assistance to veterans experiencing homelessness to those enrolled in the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Veterans Affairs Supportive Housing Program during the coronavirus pandemic. In 2021, VA medical centers across the country helped more than 24,000 veterans from May through November, thanks to the Johnny Isaacson and David P. Rowe, MD, Veterans Healthcare and Benefits Improvement Act of 2020. VA medical centers have purchased groceries, meals, apartment startup kits, furniture, merchandise vouchers, and laundry vouchers for veterans experiencing homelessness. In addition, these funds have allowed for the creation of a nationally coordinated rideshare program, which offers support to veterans who need transportation to meet health, housing, legal, and employment needs. Veterans experiencing homelessness should visit their local VA medical center for assistance and take advantage of the support made possible by this authorization. These life-saving services are available to eligible veterans who are experiencing homelessness and for those participating in the HUD-VASH program. For immediate assistance, contact the National Call Center for Homelessness Veterans at 1-877-4-AID-VET. That's 1-877-424-3838. To learn more about this flexible assistance for homeless veterans, go to www.va.gov forward slash homeless forward slash flexible underscore assistance underscore four underscore homeless underscore veterans dot ASP. 
All right. Next one says for immediate release to encourage outpatient mental health care and reduce any potential barriers associated with seeking it. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is proposing to eliminate co-payment requirements for outpatient mental health visits and reduce the co-payments for medications dispensed to veterans who are identified as high risk for suicide by a VA clinician. The VA published a notice in the Federal Register on January 5th to solicit public feedback to guide implementation of the new VA program, modifying co-payments for veterans at risk of suicide. Currently, there is no exemption from outpatient care co-payments for veterans who are at risk for suicide, and such veterans have to pay a $15 or $50 co-payment for each outpatient visit, depending on whether the visit qualifies as primary care or specialty care. This proposed rule would reduce the financial burden of multiple co-payments associated with both increased outpatient visits as well as more frequent but limited supply of prescribed medications. The public notice requests feedback at the Federal Register, and the public comment period ends on March 7th. To read the proposed rule change and make a comment, go to regulations.gov and put in mod- and put modifying co-payments for veterans at risk for suicide in the search bar. And it'll be the first result that will pull up. And then from there, you can click on it and, and make your comment. Again, comment period ends on March 7th. Okay, and finally, for immediate release, recently the Department of Veterans Affairs began including gender identifiers in its national medical record system to help VA providers better understand and meet the healthcare needs of veterans. VA added transgender male, transgender female, non-binary, other, or does not wish to disclose options to its new gender identity field. VA health records now display both gender identity and preferred name so VA staff can address the veteran appropriately. Further information can be found within VHA Directive 1341 or at www.patientcare.va.gov forward slash LGBT. All right, so we're kicking off the year with a benefits breakdown episode. Did you know that in 2021 alone, the VA granted more than $418 million to more than 260 local nonprofit organizations in their effort to support low-income veterans and their families. And that's the program that we're breaking down, the Supportive Services for Veterans and Families Program, otherwise known as the SSVF program. And we got the, their and we got their director, John Kuhn, to come back to Born the Battle to break it all down, how it works, and how you can even submit your own nonprofit for funding to help these veterans. Enjoy. So, John, it's been what? It's been a year a and a half now. since you've been on yeah. Board of Battle? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> How is it? A year right? and a half is like a whole new world, right? I'm t- <laughs> it doesn't seem like a year and a half, though. You know, with, with COVID and everybody working from home, it just seems like... Oh, another life. Oh, yeah. forget it. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so, how is everything? How you been? Hey, good. I mean, we've had a lot going on. Uh, we've been fortunate. We've been in a position to, to respond as aggressively as we've had, and uh, we've had terrific support both from VA and Congress to get the funding we need to, yeah. to deliver critical services. Yeah. Back then, I think uh, in that, in that episode, we talked about the huge surplus of funding you guys got for Congress yeah. and what, what you guys yeah. were doing. So um, are, <laughs> is there going to be any kind of like uh, now that that funding's not COVID funding and, and it's kind of going back to normal, is there kind of like a, like a whiplash so, effect a little bit? We'll see. We've got funding through the next couple of years. So we've gotten about an additional billion dollars in funding between CARES funds and the American Rescue Plan. Yeah. And that'll take us out for a couple of years. What happens after that? We'll have to wait and see on um, the appropriation process. Gotcha. It seems like it's a, it's, that's a yearly fight for you guys. 
indeed. Yeah. Fortunately, it's a, it's a good fight because the veterans do get bipartisan support. I think there's a real acknowledgement that they should be put front and center for any kind of uh, help and assistance. Uh, these guys have earned it. These gals have earned it. Yeah. And generally, that assistance has been forthcoming. I mean, you're you're in you're in a good spot. It's it's veterans and homelessness. Like, yeah, yep. Why would you want to mess with that? Um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we have a program that works. We've been able to demonstrate that. We have uh, proven outcomes. We publish our outcomes. We're transparent. Yeah, and I think that also helps. Very good. Um, you know, back then when we talked, we talked about the CARES Act funding, like we like we just talked about uh, for supportive services for veteran families program. That's the that's the program you're the director of. Yes. Um. Now we said we'd come back for a full benefits breakdown for the for the SSV. I'm going to use SSVF now. I just want yes. to get the, the acronym out there yeah. or the, the, the definition out there. Um, so here we are. It's the it's, this is the benefits breakdown of the SSVF program. Um, mm-hmm. Real quick, and I think we covered it back then. But for those that may have not have heard the first conversation that we had, can you give a quick overview of what SSVF is? Sure. So the focus of SSVF is it's really an acknowledgement that for most people who find themselves in a housing crisis, either they become homeless or they're at imminent risk for homelessness, it's a time-limited situation. They're facing a financial crisis um, due to environmental or social factors. And what they really need help with is help navigating that crisis, uh, whether that's financial assistance, help with housing, legal assistance, childcare, um, access to healthcare resources, a, a whole host of things that SSVF grantees can offer, benefits assistance. We can step in, provide that assistance, get help that family get through that crisis, and then back on their feet and independent. Most folks who face a homelessness crisis um, have been housed for uh, long periods of time are, are not needing long-term assistance, and that's where SSVF steps in. There are other programs within VA, HUD-VASH, the most prominent one, yeah. where for folks who do face long-term uh, needs for support, there are those kinds of assistance available. For, but for the bulk of folks who don't need that long-term support, that's where SSVF comes in. Gotcha. Yeah. And literally the last benefits breakdown was on the HUD-VASH program with Megan Deal. So if you get a chance, if you're listening to this, take a listen to that one uh, as well. Um, so, so with your program, let me know if I get this wrong. These are grants to local community nonprofits exactly. to support the fight against homelessness, right? Exactly. Gotcha. And one of the great things about that involvement is because those local nonprofits are embedded in the community, they know the community. It's not like the you know VA with our 2,000 mile long screwdriver from Washington trying to fix something. <laughs> uh, we really rely on the people with local knowledge and those local community providers are our perfect partners for us. Yeah. No, uh, every year we, you put out a news release talking about how much has been given out per fiscal year, uh, to these local nonprofits. Uh, and then you actually list them, you know, by state, like, Hey, these are who we're giving money to call these folks, you know? Um, I I think if if I was looking at fiscal year, 2022, it's over $415 million to over 260 organizations. Exactly. Uh, You cover all 50 states and territories, right? All 50 states, uh, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, District of Columbia, and Guam. Gotcha. Um, what makes a, this has always been my question with SSVF, what makes a nonprofit uh, qualified to participate in the program and uh, receiving that money? Mm-hmm. So we have a rigorous application process. In fact, 
Uh, if you look at our website, when we do have what's called a notice of funding opportunity, and we expect to have one towards the end of this calendar year, it really describes what folks need to do to apply for these grants and what they need to do to win them. And in fact, you can see our scoring system, which is publicly available on our website. If you just go to SSVF, you Google SSVF, you'll find it. Um, and that scoring system really rewards people with deep experience working with this population. Do you have experience working with veterans? Do you have a good knowledge of the homeless population? Are you strongly linked into the community? Just what I was describing before, we're looking for partners who know the community, who know uh, how to secure local benefits and employment and housing. Those are the things that we really need our local nonprofits uh, to help our veterans find and connect it. Gotcha. How can a, how can a nonprofit apply? You said there's a notice of None. It's called a NOFO. That's uh, <laughs> terrible, huh? Great VA NOFO show. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a federal acronym, but it's a notice of funding opportunity. And we also send these announcements out through our uh, community partners or an advocate. So National Coalition of Homeless Veterans will, for instance, send out a huge listserv announcement to their organizations that they work with, um, the, you know, and others as well, but that's probably gotcha. one um, that's best known in national lines and homelessness, of course, uh, and others will send out these. So we try to get a broad dissemination of these announcements when they happen. And yeah. they're often open to, to existing grantees, but sometimes we also open them uh, to new applicants. So we try to get a new mix, uh, create some competition, and yeah, of course. try to get resources into areas where it's needed. Does that not happen every year? So in the past year, we didn't do it. We thought that because of the COVID crisis, it was important to have continuity. And okay. there was a lot of change going on within the program in terms of the resources we were marshalling out. We wanted to make sure grantees had the capacity to quickly respond to the health emergency. And we felt that, that we needed to use existing grantees who are already operational, who could react very quickly to the crisis. So we did not open it up to new grantees in the past year. That's going to change now for the next round. Gotcha. So yeah, that was the injection for the COVID funding. I, I yeah. CARES Act, I, I, that totally makes sense. Um, so that's good. That's going to be, you're going to be open up for, for other nonprofits to apply. Um, and we'll make sure to put the SSVF website uh, in the show notes uh, and on the blog on blogs.va.gov of this episode. So if you get a Excellent. chance, check Thanks. that out. That's a big help. Absolutely. Big so, um, so within, within VA and, and we, we, like I said, we covered HUD VASH in the last benefits breakdown, um, which kind of covers some programs with them. Um, like some of these programs, but are there any other types of, I guess, eviction protections, homelessness avoidance, rapid rehousing resources for veterans within VA in general? So um, I'm actually very happy you asked that, Tanner, because it lets me segue into some of the partnerships we have with other federal agencies. Okay. So SSVF's focus is twofold. One, we want to rapidly rehouse families who are homeless. And, and I want to underline families because the fact is 20% of our program participants are dependent children. Uh, they, you know, veterans uh, are often parts of families, just like you and I, yeah. and they, when they become homeless, their family comes homeless. So we are able to serve the entire family. It's one of the unique features of SSVF that might mean providing childcare. So if you're a single mom trying to go to work, you have childcare for your children to allow you to do that. So we are yeah. able to work with the entire family. 
So the rapid rehousing piece focuses on homeless veterans. And then our second mission, which has become more important now uh, with this health emergency, is prevention. Our focus is homeless prevention, not eviction prevention, because the reality is most folks who get evicted don't become homeless. They uh, stay with, they either find new places to stay, they stay with family, friends, and so forth. So most of them don't become homeless. So there it's important for us to partner and make sure our grantees are able to connect those veterans who are facing eviction, but not homelessness to other resources. An important resource that Congress created as a result of the health emergency is called the Emergency Rental Assistance Program. In fact, if your listeners were just to Google U.S. rental assistance, you would find it. It would be the first listing. It's a treasury program, and over $46 billion has been set aside for persons, $46 billion. Yeah, that's a With lot a of money. With a B. Wow. Lots of money <laughs> uh, to prevent evictions as opposed to prevent homelessness. So this is a tremendous resource. So we certainly have worked very closely with our grantees to make sure that that information is disseminated. But an important follow-on piece and something we have just recently launched within SSVF is something known as the shallow subsidy. So what's great about these eviction prevention or homeless prevention programs is that, yes, they help you pay your uh, back rent that's owed. But what happens going forward? these families still can't afford the rent. And, and as people have probably generally aware of, you know, newspapers are filled with stories these days about huge rental spikes, yeah. um, rent increases are going up. There's just uh, this growing gap between those who um, can afford, you know, that their rent is just greatly accelerating beyond their ability to pay it. How do they make that happen? How do they pay their rent? Uh, if they're a low-income worker. And that's a real challenge. And that's a whole separate episode. I mean, I, I'm from the West Coast personally. You know, oh, we saw, so we saw you know it firsthand. Well, yeah, you mess. saw it from Hawaii. Uh, then you saw it in LA and San Francisco. And then my hometown is San, Seattle. And there's a lot of factors. Right. A lot of Seattle. factors. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of outside, you know, you can get a whole, you can go in a whole direction with that. But yeah, no, you definitely, you're definitely seeing that in a lot of places. So what we've done is we've created a new initiative called a shallow subsidy. And what that does is it guarantees up to 35%. We're about to change it. The new regulations are probably going to come out in about a month or so, we're hoping, again, touch wood, which will increase the rental subsidy to 50%. That subsidy helps close the gap. So if you're getting 35 or 50% of your rent paid every month, um, you now all of a sudden that housing, which has become unaffordable, is affordable again. And one of the neat things about shallow subsidy is the subsidy is fixed for two years, no matter what. So most of the time, when you get a subsidy from the federal government, HUD, VASH, anything else, as your income goes up, the value of the subsidy goes down. So what we're trying to do is incentivize you to increase your income. Because we're telling you, it's almost like a guaranteed income. Though no matter what, for the next two years, you're going to get this subsidy paid for your rent. So go ahead and work to increase your income or your benefits, because every extra dollar you make or bring in, you keep. And we have a strong partnership with the Department of Labor, who has uh, been uh, great with working with us. Uh, the Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program is an important part of that. But the Department of Labor in a number of cities is co-enrolling those veterans engaged in shallow subsidy in their Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program, because that two-year subsidy program, we can get people hopefully trained to make more money, uh, to have a better income, and eventually be free of, of the risk of homelessness. Gotcha. And so those shallow subsidies, they last for two years? Two years, and they can potentially be renewed. Okay. So it's different from HUD-VASH. What HUD-VASH does is they're really 
looking at a longer term period, people with high clinical needs. Yeah. We're looking at people who are frankly just mostly just poor and maybe need help building their income. And our focus is a different focus. So we're looking at an intermediate term subsidy, which will give people enough of a runway to build some resources, build some either skills or other sources of income. So at the end of the two years, they can be standing on their own. Or if not, we find other resources for them. So it's more of an intermediate term subsidy that addressing issues of poverty and the, the yeah. issue of an income gap or the affordability gap between income and, and rental costs. But those rents stay the same. You know, I just, I just, you know, you think about that, you think, okay, there's two years and another two years. At what point um, can, we, can well, we really start closing that gap? But yeah. Yep. That's, and that's why it's so important to increase their income because you're right. Those, those rents are not, they're going to keep going up. Yeah. And that's a completely separate discussion of why those rents are, especially on the West Coast, why those rents yeah. are so high. Yeah. Um, the, you, we, you talked about the federal eviction moratoriums um, and, and 46, I was, you know, you talked about the treasury, $46 billion. I can see the treasury being the one that's going to, that, that has the, you know, not only the funds, but the kind of the, the, the lay of the land, because you're looking at uh, not only eviction moratoriums, you're looking at foreclosure moratoriums. You're looking at yeah. the forbearance periods, periods that we had during, during COVID. Um, all of those will be coming to an end mm-hmm. is maybe, and, and maybe it's the treasury and maybe that's why there's $46 billion at the treasury, but from maybe your eye test, has there been some thought into lining up these ends of moratoriums and evictions and foreclosures to try to take the least amount of damage overall for everyone? Because those are all linked. In you a way, are aren't absolutely they? right. You, no, you've absolutely got it, Tanner. I mean, that, yeah. that is really the crux of our concerns. So all these moratoriums have ended now. Can we make sure that these veterans get the assistance they need. And that's why it's so important. And, and shows like yours is, are so important for getting the information out. The resources are there. These yeah. programs are stood up, but unfortunately, a lot of people still don't know that they're eligible for these. And if you're not, you know, most veterans, they don't think of themselves as uh, typically being in need of these kinds of resources. Sure, there have been many veterans helped by homeless services, but when yeah. you think of the number of veterans that are out there who for the first time are facing real economic dislocation because of COVID, never thought of accessing these resources and have no idea how to do it. Yeah. And so it, it's really by getting in contact um, through outreach. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's going to be the media, things like your program that people will tune in on and go, oh, you know, whether it's me or, you know, my brother, Billy, or my friend down the street, who I know is a veteran who's having trouble that's how they're going to find out about it. and that's how they'll learn about these kinds of resources and hopefully we connect to them and and prevent these tragedies i hope a lot of my colleagues listen to this and go you know what that john guy let's get him on you know more, <laughs> let's get him on more shows uh, more veteran shows uh, so you know these the, the more so it sounds like the shallow subsidy is kind of like a, a, a gap in case there is a gap between the eviction moratorium and the foreclosures and, and and that's a good way, a good resource, the $46 billion at the treasury. What is that program called again? The one at the treasury? Uh, it's the emergency rental assistance program. Emergency? It's uh, short to ERAP is the common acronym for that E-R-A-P. But if you just, if you just Google us rental assistance, the first thing will show up is the treasury program. Okay. Okay. So that's that's, that's an important thing. It's, that's actually that's in important. English. <laughs> yeah, that's so. a completely that's a, that's a completely important one. I want to get there. Emergency rental assistance program. Yeah. Wrap. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we covered a, 
a lot in a short amount of time, relatively short amount of time for the show. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, John, is there anything that I may have missed or didn't sure, ask? Sir. Yeah, sure. There are, there are a couple of things I would like to highlight. So first, any of your listeners, if you just Google SSVF, it'll bring you right to our webpage. And you can see it right on our webpage is a list of all of our providers, all the locations, all the contact information. So you can use that to find a local provider. We also have the 800 number uh, that the VA has for accessing resources. You go to va.gov. You can either use that 800 number You'll see it's va.gov forward slash homeless. You'll see the 800 number. You'll see a chat function as well. If you prefer that, you can contact a VA to find a whole list of homeless resources. Um, so I think it's important if, if folks bookmark those things. So again, Google SSVF, you can find us. Google uh, VA homeless, and you'll again find all these resources. Those are the principal contacts for people, not just directly, again, if you know your, your brother or your sister is a veteran who may need the, that assistance, if you have a friend or a neighbor, all those kinds of information dissemination is hugely helpful. Yeah. Back in Olympia, Washington, my cousin, he's like, I, I, I pass by this veteran every day who's homeless and, and we talk and he's like, I buy him sandwiches and, and, you know, he, he works in construction. He's like, I buy him sandwiches and, you know, we have lunch together and I always tell him he should awesome. get off the street. He's like, but I don't know how to help him. Tanner, you work at the VA. What, what can you, so I'm like, okay, I got a guy. His name's John. So, so again, what's, what's the, you mentioned all these, what's the first thing my cousin Ben should do? Uh, you can start off by calling the VA 800 number. It's 877-428-3838. And uh, that is the um, uh, toll-free number 24 seven answered. And they can put you in touch with any homeless resource wherever you live. So if your cousin, let's just say he's in Seattle, Um, was given that number, they would put him in touch with the Seattle VA Medical Center who would connect him to whatever the appropriate resource is, whether that's SSVF, Advash, or another resource. So that, and again, that is a toll-free number, 24-7, you can get somebody connecting to you. And I I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, And then the second thing is, are those websites I mentioned for people who are not as comfortable on the phone, or rather use a chat function, that can be done uh, as well. And that would be, of course, done online. I also want to mention one other service that we've had. You know, we know that for a lot of folks, they don't want to enter the homeless system. They're, they don't want to go not only the homeless system, some people don't want to go to the VA. So that's another option that SSVF offers. You don't have to go into a VA yeah. to actually get enrolled in SSVF. In fact, SSVF uses a system. It's another acronym. Your viewers don't have to know about it. It's called Squares. But what the system allows, it's an online system where our grantees can go on their computer, you give them your name, some identifying information, which, you know, your personal information, and they can immediately establish your eligibility. You don't have to go to a VA. They can do that on the spot, determine your eligibility and enroll you on the spot. You never have to go to a VA. You never have to go to any kind of federal office. So that's another appealing thing for some of our veterans who are not necessarily comfortable with doing that. And also what's not widely known still is that SSVF can serve some veterans who are not eligible for VA healthcare. So for VA healthcare, you generally have to be honorably discharged. In SSVF, you could have a general discharge or other than honorable discharge, pretty much anything other than a dishonorable discharge and still be served. So that is something, again, not generally known, but allows you to go to a grantee, allows you to get services. um, and, And we 
uh, encourage our grantees, many of our grantees can do this, is that the day you show up for services is the day you're enrolled. There's no huge delay to get in. You don't have to carry your DD-214 with you. Um, again, just knowing some personal information and some basic ID, hopefully, uh, is enough to get you started. Outstanding information. Uh, John, send me all those links. We'll put them all in the show, show notes. We'll put them absolutely. all in the blog on blogs.va.gov. Uh, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you. And, uh, and we're out. Great. Thanks so much, Danner. Appreciate it. It's time we all thought differently about homeless veterans. I never thought of myself as a veteran, even though I served in the military. Because when we know who our veterans are, I never thought if I lost my job, I might lose my home. Understand how easily anyone can become homeless. I never thought my VA benefits could be the answer. And realize that VA is here to help. We can end veteran homelessness. If you know of or are a veteran in need, contact the nearest VA medical center at va.gov homeless or 877-424-3838. thank John for coming back to Born the Battle. Again, his other episode was episode 201. And we talked about the emergency funding that SSVF got through the CARES Act. Finally, for more information on SSVF, go to va.gov forward slash homeless forward slash SSVF. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by way of Fox 8 out of New Orleans. Army veteran Lawrence Brooks was one of 15 children. He was born in 1909, north of Baton Rouge in Norwood, Louisiana, and was raised outside of Stevenson, Mississippi, a small town where his family moved for work during the Great Depression. He was drafted into the Army at age 31 and spent World War II in the predominantly African-American 91st Engineer Battalion. He was stationed in Australia, New Guinea, and the Philippines. Classified as service personnel, he cleaned and cooked for three of battalion's officers and attained the rank of Private First Class. After the war, Brooks worked as a forklift operator for four decades, retiring in his 70s. Sadly, on Wednesday, January 5th, Lawrence Brooks, the United States' oldest living World War II veteran, passed away at 112, at 112 years old. His wife, Liana, died in 2008. He is survived by five children, 13 grandchildren, and 32 great-grandchildren. Army veteran Lawrence Brooks. We honor a service. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov and quote a short write-up and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, 
and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly to my brain. Simplify till we die another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my bag Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gun bullets fly to my brain Simplify, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one